Hi everyone, Carrie here. Welcome to the second episode of the Celtic Tales Chronicles. With me here is my co-host Rob Fulton. Hi everyone, hope you're all doing well. Now, listeners, you may have seen that there is no mention of the Wicked Skull Thieves in this episode's title. Uh, There is a good reason for that. So before you start banging down our virtual doors via social media, Rob is going to let us know why. Yeah, I'm going to explain everything. Okay, so basically this episode is going to feature a live recording of me telling a medieval porn story at the recent Celtic Tales storytelling show. And we're not posting up Rab's storytelling simply to entertain and amuse the masses. Or shock. And shock our listeners. There's actually a pretty good reason for transmitting an 8th century religious sort of sex comedy, if you will. Not that you need a reason to do it, but just in case you want a reason. Okay, so... How to explain this, Kerry? All right. <laughs> Before we go and play the recording, um, we need to back up a little bit and we'll chat about the last episode because I might explain things a bit better. So we'll do that for a bit. So if you guys remember, in the last episode, we talked about some of the horrendous racial science that propped up the British Empire and how that was played out here in Ireland, specifically in the West Coast. Yeah. But we ended by saying that the story was not that simple, that there were other things we needed to take a dive into. Yeah, some pretty dark and twisted things. Yeah, I think pretty dark and twisted is what, yeah. So anyway, Kerry has been diving into those things and she's been researching and talking to people and really digging in. And we also wanted to bring the story back into the light and finish on a more positive note to make listeners feel empowered and to remind them that you guys are the ones you can make change in the world as well. Yeah, so that was the kind of idea of trying to make a, bring the positive things into this stuff we're examining. So Kerry's been looking at the, the twisted stuff. So I was digging into the fun stuff. So that's what I've been doing. Yes, while well, I was being misery guts over here, somewhere along the way, Rab fell into an Inishboffin rabbit hole in his research. Oh, I, I did. I did. I, I tumbled all the way down that rabbit hole and I was laughing and I was blushing as I went. Yes, listeners. So Rab managed to find a medieval LGBT <laughs> sex comedy starring a monk from Inishboffin. I'm sure you've not heard that combination of words together before. <laughs> No, but you know what? Uh, a man's going to do what a man's going to do. Yeah, so you have some. It, it was academic. It wasn't just for fun, you know. And um, and I should also point out, you know, I didn't find this raunchy tale. It's, it's been there for over a millennia, and it's been ignored until very recently. So Rab managed to dig up some academic papers about this. Happy tale of sex, Easter, and Inish Boffin. And one of the amazing things about the tale, and there are many amazing things about it, was that it chimed with what Kerry and I were talking about in the last episode. Yeah, it kind of linked up with the fact that far from being unintelligent savages in desperate need of civilizing, uh, Irish people have actually had an incredibly rich and complex history and culture throughout the millennia. Aye, just like all those other people that the British Empire deemed inferior. 
But there was another amazing aspect of this story, and is that it emphasised just how crucial to the world culture Inish Boffin was. And that impact definitely does remain today. And we're going to have more about that in the next episode, part three. Yeah, yeah. So it is, we're not just putting up porn recording for you for entertainment. There's, there's, there's justification, okay? And, um, but there is a and lot. As we know, Rab is from Glasgow, where men are renowned for their modesty. <laughs> yeah, we're very modest. I wouldn't normally do this kind of thing. And I'm going to just say, I have to point this out, when I tell the story, when I read the story, when I first came across all this stuff, I blushed. And then when I tell the story, I blushed as well, Kerry. I did a, I did a lot of blushing. A lot of blushing. Yeah. And what really fired Rab up when researching this and while blushing was that there was a big wrong connected to the story as well. There was something that needed to be clarified. I there was... It turns out this tale, which is known, it's also known as uh, Niall Frosak's Act of Truth or Niall Frosak's Act of Judgment, um, that it was held up traditionally going all the way back as an, a, an example of wise judgment. This this tale you're going to hear in a minute. And right throughout the medieval period and right up to the early 17th century, this was held up as a really wise example. And I should just point out, I know this because I was reading a lovely article by a guy called Damien McManus, and it's called Niall Frosak's Act of Truth. And the details of that article are in the episode notes, along with the other articles that Rab researched um, for this episode. Aye, so there's quite a few references there, so check them out yourself. But, uh, but yeah, so I was saying that the story kind of faded, you know, it's like it kind of was there a good 800 years or so as part of the narrative on Ireland and then it kind of faded from the scene and I'm guessing like Irish culture and language you know are suddenly come under pressure from the British presence and so the story didn't fit with this kind of new order and then finally in 1922 when as we know Ireland became an independent country and this new nation wanted to show how rich and ancient the culture was because it had been oppressed for so long. Yeah. Um, so in the 1930s, a book was published called published called Philly August Philiacht Connacht. Yeah. Um, poets and poetry of Connacht. And mm-hmm. in this collection, there was the early this early 17th century version. It was an Irish language praise poem. It was written in honor of an Irish official of the Elizabethan crown, it was a crown official and uh, the story, the medieval story was included in the poem as an example of wise judgement However in this version published in the Philly August Philiacht Connacht the 13 stanzas that retold this medieval story were completely omitted, not even rewritten but totally (laughs) omitted and instead they were replaced with 13 asterisks which wouldn't even look good <laughs> formatted on a page. <laughs> Do you know, it's interesting. Again, this is all from David Manus' essay because he actually makes this point. When they published it, they put in the 13 asterisks, okay? Mm. But they didn't even put in an editorial note or anything to explain it. They just omitted the 13 stanzas that actually retold the medieval story. The actual crux of wise judgment, which was why this 17th century poem was written. They took that out. They didn't even make, explain why. 
there's no editorial comment, there's no footnotes, there's just these 13 asterisks. Ridiculous. Sure, they didn't even have asterisks in the medieval times. Like, it clearly <laughs> wasn't there before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it was just, what happened was, the newly independent island had passed a law in 1927, and it prohibited the publication of material the Irish censorship board regarded as, quote, indecent or obscene, end quotes. I think it's crazy how there's so many really like violent stories and poems and things that are, yeah, no bother, no bother. Yeah, That's totally yeah. fine. You can hear about people ripping each other to shreds. But as, as soon as it becomes, you know, in any way sexual, it's like that is obscene. We can't have that. But you can read about people, you know, knocking over mountains to like kill each other. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but from the viewpoint of 1927, you know, the poem does shock. It has mm. an unwed mother in it. <gasps> Gasp. Gasp. Who also happens to, you know, have a girlfriend. Double gasp. Double gasp, <laughs> yes. And thirdly, probably worst of all, is that nobody's particularly bothered about this, that it's held up as wise judgment, because there's a king going to make a judgment about this, and also... There's going to be an Inish Boffin monk who's been kidnapped by sky demons who's going to come in there as well. It's a great story. Anyway, fortunately, Damien McMahon, he, 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 he provides a full version, the Irish version, plus his own English translation, and his, his essay. And I figured it was time the story be told again. So that's when I started doing a bit more research to try and understand kind of world the original story was told in. So a long way away from today, uh, yeah. this event that the story describes takes place in the 770s AD, yeah. so over 1,250 years ago when Ireland was mm, just a smidge different than it is now. <laughs> yeah, a bit more liberal. <laughs> a bit more liberal, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So before, again, before we play, I, I, when you hear the, the recording, when I tell the story in the Crane Bar, I done a kind of wee intro, and my intro to that was was based on um, the article I just mentioned and also two other articles, um, Niall Frozak's True Judgment, that's by Dan M. Wiley, and that was going to make a great insight into the medieval mindset. And then the other paper I was looking at was Queer Conceptions and Calculations, uh, Niall Frozak and the Eastern, the Easter Controversy by Philip A. Bernhardt House. And that was discussing how the story fits into the religion of the period, in particular issues over the dating of Easter. And it also looks at homoerotic elements in it. Jeez, that is a that's a tall order. That's a lot of work. Fair play. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had to do something whilst you were doing all the digging into the, the misery of the, the wicked skull thief. So, yeah. Oh, I, idle hands and all that. Oh, definitely. So then, having done that research, I, I, I then had to recreate the story for a 21st century audience. And what you did with the absolute most class and dignity. <laughs> and the story was performed on Easter Thursday at the Celtic Tales show in Crane Bar. So sit back and enjoy the tale. And hopefully you won't blush too much. Yeah, enjoy. Well, we'll be chatting to you again after the story ends. 
Are you now ready for a story? Yes. yes. Are you sure you're ready for a story? Yes. Are you ready for a story that has nudity in it? Yes. <laughs> Lots of nudity in it. Okay. So I'm going to I'm going to do Easter stories, and I'm going to kind of explain that. Because this story I'm going to tell the first one is a medieval story from Ireland, it's actually from the eighth century. Okay. And I'm just going to say. There's lots of different versions of this story. It was a story that kind of travelled from the 8th century right through to the last kind of public telling of it. It was the 16th century, so it's been... This is the first telling for a long time. And there's all these different versions, and some of them are just downright pornographic. Okay? <laughs> so we, I was trying to... There's parts you have to have in the story, and that's all I'm going to say. Okay? <laughs> just trust me. But the thing is, it's actually a religious story. Don't ask, but it is, you'll hear in a minute. So, it's a story, and it's from medieval Ireland, early medieval Ireland. So you've all got to get your medieval Ireland heads on, okay? You're kind of, you know, let me pull your teeth out and stuff. And, I don't know, pull your pants, whatever you have to do. And, but what I want to do for telling stories is give you a wee sense of the world that this story takes place in. And folk have been in my stories before. They know I like to take a bit of time to explain characters or landscape. And this one, I'm going to take a wee bit of time and I'm going to explain the kind of the world we're stepping into. Because weird things are going to happen in the world. It's going to seem weird to us unless we know the world we're stepping into, okay? So it's a medieval island. And there's two things to remember in this story. One is there's a thing called the Easter controversy. Anybody ever heard of the Easter controversy? No. No! Dear me! Okay, it's not about stealing Easter eggs or who's wearing the bunny rabbit this year or whatever. It's a big, big thing. I'm going to try and sum it up because it does come into the story. Roman Empire? Yeah. Woo! Woo! Cracks, horrors can step out. Demons, gargoyles, monsters, 
you really have to have it paid absolutely tied down. So, he's talking anyway, he comes up with the dates, the agreed dates for Easter. Okay. This is the Easter controversy. I can see us all sitting there going, fuck, that's so interesting. Wow. <laughs> say that again so I can put it on my social media. No, I've said it once, you'll all remember. So, he sets the dates of, of Easter, and the Irish, who are also Scottish, go, ha, we've just saved civilization, we've got a completely different Easter date. The Pope says, fucking Cyril Irish, off he's go, and he sets up a new Easter day. That's the Easter controversy. He's got that. Yeah. Right, we're almost finished. So, <laughs> then everybody starts agreeing with the Pope. And the new, the old Christian Easter, which is known as the Christian faith, the first Christian Christian, Christian Celtic Christianity, it's pushed back, pushed back, pushed back. It's only Britain and Ireland, which also includes Scotland. They're the only ones that have the old date left. All right. And then that starts to get pushed back. There's a big synod in the north of England, and they agreed to change the date there. Everybody's going to go with the Roman date, the new Roman date. And of course, the Irish, they're also Scottish, they go in Norway, they go back to Ireland. With Ireland, they go back to Inishbofin, okay, up the road there, and Iona, which is up the west of Scotland, and some of the English go with them as well. So they all kind of say, no way, we're not changing. And then slowly, over generations, they change. And slowly but surely, Ireland and Scotland, they take the Roman Easter calendar as well, which is where we are now. We're on Easter Thursday. So, the settled... At the cosmos, this idea of the medieval world, everything has to be balanced and, and correct. So now everybody's agreed on the date. Except there's one or two that are still holding out, one or two monks here and there. And they're kind of tolerated, but they're also worried about because everyone that doesn't agree, everyone that holds the old date, they're a potentiality for schism or bringing in demons again or horrors, okay? But they're there. So that's something to remember in this story, okay? There are monks out there who don't call the proper Easter day. Okay, I know you're thinking, when do we get to the sex? There will be sex soon. <laughs> <laughs> there will. For sex to happen, you have to figure out Easter first, okay? Very important in Roman Catholic faith, Easter sex has to be sorted out, okay? So that's that part. So now we're going to come to the main character in the story. And the main character is one of the high kings of Ireland. And you get all these heroes and kings you get in the history books, and they all kind of fight, and they kill, and there's blood, and there's... And when you actually look at the history, there's actually a lot of these very powerful kings. And there's no plot in the And this guy, King Niall Fosa, Niall the Shivers, He's one of these kings. He's a high king of Ireland, okay? And he's based in Tara. And the high kings are incredibly powerful. I'm kind of still not quite sure what their secular role was, but kind of they're a very powerful magical, spiritual role. And it was to keep everything in balance, okay? These are the guys that made sure that people were negotiating and not fighting or agreeing inheritances or agreeing whose cow belongs and whose land. All these agreements, he'd be the pinnacle of that. And sometimes there'd be disputes that'd be so difficult to solve 
and they do their little minor, minor things, but they can be really difficult to solve. And they have to be solved, because even in minor, smallest little disputes in ancient Ireland, there's all these different factions trying to jump in and take these small disputes and explode them into huge wars. And some of the myths in Ireland, like the whole Ulster cycle begins with Queen Maid, she shags her new young husband, there's sex, and then they've an argument over a cow, and the next time there's blood everywhere. There's all these little disagreements, and somebody has to make sure that doesn't happen, has to get in balance. So the High King's at the pinnacle of this, he's in Tara. And the thing about the High King you've got to know is the High King is just not like a powerful individual. The High King is a connecting person. He connects this world to all the worlds beyond. Okay, this is the medieval idea. There's this huge cosmology of worlds. Christian, pagan, they're all bubbling away in this vast, and they've got to be kept in balance as well. And the High King is the person that keeps it all in balance. And if balance breaks, then there's famine, there's war, there's blood. Okay? And the interesting thing about King Niall of the Showers, Cossack of the Showers, is that he only reigned for 10 years, and there was no battles in his reign. And he didn't die in a big battle. He, he served for 10 years, and then he retired, and he went to Iona. But somehow he managed to keep this balance. Now his family were the High Kings for the next 150 years. So he's actually a really powerful figure in Irish history, but we don't talk about him because maybe he died. Because he was this guy who managed to tap the other worlds in this world to keep them in balance. And to show that things are in balance, there's a thing called an, an act, <coughs> excuse me, an act of truth, okay? And that's when something's so difficult or confusing, the High King is the only person who can understand it. And he'll declare an act of truth. And what he'll do is he'll access all this magical, spiritual, other world, and he'll channel it through himself, and he'll make an utterance. And the utterance will be so stunning and so perfect that everybody around will be like, okay, you have to agree with the King. And these acts of truth are what keep things working. As long as he seems to be given acts of truth, then everything's in balance. If he fails, then suddenly factions can come in, there'll be wars, and there'll be blood. Okay? So that is the point of the story. So we all got medieval heads on, okay? We've got no teeth, we've got no underpants, uh, we're married to a pig's sister's nephew, <laughs> we're all doing medieval stuff, but we're in balance, okay? We know there's magic, we know there's demons, we know there's God, we know there's other worlds and other dimensions and multi-universes, and there's a guy at the top called the High King, and he's keeping it all in balance, and he's at Tara. So the story's about to begin. One day Tara, the High King, Niall, he's there. He's doing his High King thing. He's always kind of wee hunter, he's wee dice, uh, sitting on his throne, and all these lords and ladies from around Ireland have come to Okay, he does this regularly, they all come. And it's a big journey to get there, so he's got his men going around amongst all them, getting them to negotiate and work out problems and keep things fine, okay? And of course, there's factions there watching them just to make sure, is it in balance or is there something they can jump in and cause another war, whatever? Before now, King now comes, King, there's lots of wars, so now it's peace. So he's doing this, and he's just settled everything, and everything's calm. Everything is in balance. And all the medieval folk are doing their, they're all quite happy. And there's all these nobles around them. And then something happens. Are you ready? 
got any very strange and very weird somebody say, get your comfort person? Because <laughs> some of this might shock you. If you blush easily, you know, cover your eyes, cover your ears, whatever. There's a few characters in the story. I'm also in the bard. There's a bard who wrote this story down. We'll be talking about this later in the podcast. This bard. We don't know his name, but he wrote all this down and then it was translated translation. Feel sorry for the bard because he has to write all this down. What happens next? So, the king's on his, he's on his throne, doing his thing, king thing, okay. All the nobles are there. And there's a commotion. And there's somebody pushing through all the nobles. And he looks, the king looks, and who's pushing through is a wee woman. Okay, there's a wee woman pushing through. And she's quite young. And she's kind of pushing through, and it's clear she's not a noble or anything, she's kind of dressed quite simple. And she's got a wee child or a little child on her breast there, and she's pushing through. And all these nobles are getting a bit upset. But the king stops and said, hold on. She's travelled the distance to be here. Let her come forward. So this young woman comes forward. And the high king man looks out and says, Why have you come here? She goes, Your Majesty, Your Majesty, I need help. I need help. I want to ask something of you. And the king says, Well, you're one of my subjects. Of course you can ask something of me. She says, I want you to, to declare an act of truth for me. And all the nobles stop. This is a big ask, okay? And the king looks and goes, you want me to declare an act of truth? And all your sovereignty and all your power and all your connection to the world's beyond, I want you to channel that, and I want you to give me an act of truth. The king looks and said, okay, of course, you're my subject, of course, you've come a very important time, you've asked, an act of truth will be given. What is it that you want to know? And so this young woman looks at him, she looks at the king, and she goes, Your Majesty, I, I, have, a, I have a child here, I have a son. He goes, yes, he looks a fine child. She says, yes, but I, I want to know, I want to give him his father's name, but I do not know who his father is. And the king kind of looks at her and goes, you don't know who your father is. And this is what you want me to help you with, is an act of truth. She goes, yes. It seems very simple. It's obviously whoever you have slept with, whatever man you have slept with, will be the father of your child. And the woman looks at him and says, I, I, I've never slept with a man. I've never slept with a man. And so the king and the bard here is making notes. Apparently the king starts to blush because sex is okay in the medieval times, medieval times, but talking about it is very bad. So the king is going to look at him and goes, when I said sleeping with a man, I don't mean like going to bed. <laughs> I mean, have you ever slept? He goes, no. He says, well, I mean, it's like, have you ever, have you ever tumbled with a man? Have you ever tumbled in a state of nudity with a man? And then looks at him do you mean, I've had sex with a man? Uh, yes, Mr. King, I have you. I've never done that with a man. She went, no, no way. Oh, no chance. But you've got a child. I know. Are you sure you haven't maybe slept, tumbled, had sex with a man by mistake? No way, I know. Because <laughs> so, you're telling me you've got a child, but you've never, ever had sex 
Oh, no, I've had sex. I've had sex all the time. I love sex. Who are you having sex with? Just women. Aye, I love having sex with women. Oh my god, I'm in so much sex with so many women. It's fantastic.
Ken goes, I understand that. <laughs> but he's got a lot of it. He can't go up walk from one end of the room to the other without poof, scushing out man seat. <laughs> You might need hugs from your friends now, okay? Scooshing out man's seat everywhere! You know, my girlfriend's quite happy because, you know, she kind of just jumps on and helps him after the tumbles us. Scooshing them! It's all great! My friends go, okay. So, what's the problem? Sometimes, Your Majesty, well, the poor man has got such big balls and such much churning, it tires him out! And sometimes when, you know, my girlfriend's happening or tumbling and he scooshes, he falls asleep before my girlfriend has finished the talk. Tumbling. I need to spell this out. <laughs> no, I don't. He finishes before her and she's unfinished with the tumbling. And the king goes, oh, that poor woman. Does it happen often? The girl goes, no, no, it's fine. It just happens once or twice. But, you know, it's a bit annoying for her. What does she do? Oh, I've got it sorted. If he tumbles too soon and scooshes too soon, she just runs up the street to me and I help her finish off. The king looks at me. You help her finish off? For the tumbling, your majesty. Okay. So she's tumbling with him and he scooshes and falls asleep and she's not finishing up the road and she tumbles with you. Yes, your majesty. The king looks at her. And he looks at all the high lords and leads of Tara. And he's kind of paused there. And you want to know the name of the father of your child? And, and how it got, how it came to be pregnant, Your Majesty? Could you do that now, an act of truth? And the king now is blushing absolute scarlet red. He goes, okay, I'm the high king of Tara. And he knows he has to do the act of truth and everything will fall apart. And so he pauses. And in that moment of Pausing in his own poem, he pauses and suddenly goes into himself. And he takes a moment and suddenly he connects. He connects with that vast, vast cosmos of this world and the worlds beyond and faith and magic and paganism. And he brings it all together and suddenly he sees everything perfectly. And he opens his eyes and he says, here is my act of truth. It is clear to me what has happened. Your girlfriend has been with her husband. He has finished his suit. She has come to you. And you have laid together as lovers laid together. And as you have laid together, you've been in a perfect moment of bliss. You've been lost in the limbs and the sighs and the sweat and the soft susurration of skin on skin and you've been in an absolute moment of communion and all the rest of the worlds fall away when you're in that absolute perfect moment of bliss. And when you've been in that perfect moment of bliss, the essence of her body and your body have kissed. And when her body has kissed your body, the seat of her husband that was in her body has tumbled into your body and thus created new life. And that is my act of truth. And the woman looked at him and she went, oh, wow, that makes so much sense. <laughs> it does, apparently it does theoretically. <laughs> wow, so now I know who my father is, the 
Chen get a name. This is going to be the luckiest child in Ireland. It's going to have a name. It's going to have a daddy. It's going to have two mommies. This is just wonderful. That is the most wonderful, perfect thing ever. And all the lords and ladies of Tarot are all kind of standing around them. And some of them are going, wow. And some of them are going, huh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they get on their social feed like, hashtag WT. <laughs> <laughs> But just then, just when any doubts can come before, suddenly there's a great rumbling noise, a rumbling, a rumbling, and the ground starts to shake. The ground's shaking. And the next thing, according to the poem, there's a booming noise, a massive booming noise, and it's like when a storm takes the ocean and slams it against a cliff, and it booms and it cracks. That was the booming and the cracking. And everybody's standing, and there's booming and cracking going on, and there's an absolute silence, and then suddenly the silence is all looking around, suddenly there's a ripping noise, and the sky opens. And from the sky tumbles a figure, and the figure tumbles and tumbles and tumbles and tumbles and, tumbles and lands in front of the king. Huh. And the figure stands up and kind of rubs his ass and goes, Oh. And he looks at him and he goes, Thank you, God. And he looks at the king and he goes, Thank you. Thank you, High King. Thank you very much. You've, you've saved my life. You've saved my soul. You've, you've freed me from sin. And you've, you've, oh, I can't thank you enough. And the High King went, Well, how did I do that? And the monk said, well, you know me, I'm a monk. I come from Inish Boffin. And I was a monk there in this Inish Boffin, and I had great fun being a monk. I was going around telling folk what to do, and giving up their old sins, and stop drinking, and stop smiling at men, and all this stuff. I was great for all that. But, High King, I sinned myself. What sins did you do? Oh, well, High King, I have to admit that I, I gambled. And I, I fornicated, and I, I drank alcohol, and I, oh, I committed a few murders, and <laughs> there was some cattle rustling, and, and then there was a time the abbot asked me to build this for a pair of the church, and I couldn't be bothered, so I wanted to conjure up some demons from hell, and I got them to do it for me. He <laughs> was going, they are terrible sins, and the monk went, I drank something worse. Far, far worse. And the king went, worse than gambling and drinking and fornicating and cattle rustling and cooking up demons and nothing folk at all. I, I'll tell you what. My sin, my gravest sin, was I celebrated Easter on the old day. And my abbot was offended. He said, no, 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 you'll open the world to schisms and demons and all sorts. You must accept the Roman date for Easter. I said, okay, but I didn't. And he asked me a second time, and I didn't. And he asked me a third time, and I just laughed at him. And I felt so happy at my sinning. And then I was walking along the coast of Avenish Bottom, and the Atlantic was there, and the smell of the salt, and the wind in my hair. It was a beautiful evening, and the stars were out. And I was feeling happy and sinful and enjoying with myself. And suddenly I felt a weight on my hip. And then I went on my shoulders, and I felt something touching my cheek. And I looked down, and on my hips were cloven hooves. And on my shoulders were cloven hooves. And then I could feel a creature against me breathing. 
and I blessed myself, but because you just laughed and jumped and jumped in front of me, and it was a most monstrous being. It had the body of an ape, and it had the head of a goat with great horns and yellow eyes, and then all of the arms and wings appeared, wings like giant bat wings, and I was looking at the creature, and I wanted to run and I turned, but another creature appeared in another, and suddenly I was surrounded by all these demonic monsters, and they grabbed a hold of me, and they beat their wings, and they took me up higher and higher into the sky, and they took me to a cloud, and on the cloud was a prison, and they took me into the cloud prison, and they began to put such terrible, terrible tortures on me. Oh my goodness, they carved knives into me, and they bucked me, and they split my belly open, and they took my intestines out, and they chopped them up, and they fried them, and they ate them, and then they all grew back, and they'd done it again, and I screamed in pain and agony, and I called out to God to save me, but God just laughed, and I called out to the devil, and the devil went, ha, 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 I was so covered in so much pain, I was so terrible. And then, and then, your majesty, your act of truth, the words you spoke, how in a moment of absolute bliss, when two women's bodies kiss, and the seed of one's husband could spill into the body of the other and create new life, so perfect, so perfect was that act of truth that it echoed and echoed around the cosmos and it shook and it shook like a great storm and it was so great and it was so powerful that it shook the cloud and it shook the prison and the cloud prison shattered and fell away and the demons fell away and I tumbled through the sky free of the demons and as I tumbled I looked up to God and I said God if you let me live I will celebrate the proper day to <laughs> and so I landed on the ground and I was not dead so thank you thank you God Thank you, High King. Thank you, Lady with Lady Friends. Thank you, all. I am saved. And the King said, I am so glad. And you've promised now you'll always celebrate the proper date for Easter. And the monk said, I will. And so the King and the monk and the young woman and her baby and her girlfriend and the husband with the large testicles and all the diverse people of Ireland lived happily ever <laughs> Well, wasn't that something? Hope you all made it to the end with minimal embarrassment. <laughs> Minimal. I, I, yeah, we even listening to that salacious tale. I think salacious is the word. It's salacious. What can I say? I'm, you know, twenty first century person. I'm sex positive. That kind of thing doesn't phase me. Tell a story about someone learning to set healthy boundaries, and then I'll cringe. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> you know what? Um, that's for a future episode, Kerry. We'll, we'll, we'll unpack that. We'll unpack that. We've got a few now bonus materials that we're going to have to put out at some point and packing various things, all right? So, um, do you know what? I think there's not really much to say. Um, any news with you before we tell listeners how they can catch up with us? Do you any news? Any gods? Um, I'm going to a concert next week, which I'm very excited about. I'm going to see Paramore in Dublin. So Ooh. I will be reliving my teenage emo days. Pretty oh. exciting. Do you know what? I'm I'm going through my teenage emo days just now. <laughs> I'm I'm real I'm going through them part two. That's of course. 
Yeah, yeah. So, aye. Oh, great. That sounds great. That sounds brilliant. Yeah, I'm oh. sure it'll be a good crack. Keep following me on Instagram if you want to see photos of the gig. <laughs> Just Absol- a plug there. Yeah, yes. That, yeah. Oh, I think there's a hair dragon up there somewhere in the house. Um, aye. So, aye. Kerry, you can, they can catch up. Where can they catch up on you? Where, where, where can yeah. you catch up on? So, guys, you can catch up with me on Substack for essays, shorter podcasts, and short form fiction. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at the Kerry Graham. Yeah, I'm. I'm also on Twitter at Havering Rab, and on Instagram at Celtic Tales Golly. You probably find me more often on the Instagram thing. Mm. You're you're a real you know lover of Instagram. I feel like that's I really do, where you thrive. I do. I do. It's my. I just. I. I love just putting images in there and diving in there and yeah, yeah I really enjoy Instagram. Wow. And we've also just set up a very exciting email account. That Reach is very out to exciting. Us with any requests? Yeah. Yeah. So let us know if you've got any requests, feedback, general thoughts. Um, medieval porn medieval porn (laughs) recommendations conspiracy theories just let us know so we're at the celtic tales chronicles at gmail.com nice and simple yeah the celtic tales chronicles at gmail.com it's brilliant it's just ah, so easy and um you can buy tickets to the live shows they're on every week and you get the tickets on eventbrite and there'll be links to that and my writing uh, if you're, you're on my Instagram, you can see through my LinkedIn account, which is on my Instagram bio. But there'll be links down in the footnotes here as well. But yeah. Yeah. And don't forget to follow, rate and review as this really does help small podcasts like ourselves. Share it with your friends, share it with your enemies, share yeah. it with the person behind you in the queue at Supermax at 3am. Honestly, just whoever. I, 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 everybody. I think, everybody. <laughs> I think that's as fun now, isn't it? I think yeah. so. Yeah, right. until next week or until next time. Slon. <laughs> Slon. The Celtic Tales Chronicles is written, hosted and produced by Kerry Graham and Rab Fulton. Edited by Rab Fulton. Cover artwork by Kerry Graham. Music by Kevin McLeod.